And now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch. Wrestling, you've been put on notice. Oh, let's get ready to ramble! What's up? This is the Botching It Up podcast number 19, and we're still on our horror season. This week, we're looking at Doink the Clown, the gimmick that never really got off the ground, but had legs. As always, you have me, Benito, and my good friend, Basil. Doink and dink, doink and dink. Doink and ding, diddy ding, dong, doink. And, <laughs> and, um, right, before we get into it, I'm going to give you a little brief description on exactly who Doink the Clown was. Doink the Clown was a gimmick originally used by Matt Bourne. He made his debut in 1978, wrestling for the likes of WWF, NWA, and WCW before returning back to WWF in September 92. He was considered a good hand and a decent addition to the company's mid-card with a strong technical foundation, but had no specific role or plans. In December 92, he took up the Doink persona, first interrupting jobber matches on WWF Superstars before eventually making his debut on Wrestling Challenge. He'd go on to feud with Crush just before WrestleMania 9 that will last most of that summer. He was then used as a prop in the Bret Hart-Jerry Lawler feud, before eventually face-turning against Jerry Lauder. His time in the company would come to an end in December 93 because of his drug use, and then other characters would take on a watered-down version of the Doink character. Meanwhile, Matt Bourne would go on to wrestle in ECW and other small indies as Doink, but slightly changed, before coming back to the WWE making legend-style appearances in the mid-2000s and early 2010s. Bourne himself said that he took influence from Cesar Romero's Joker in 1966 Batman and Stephen King's Pennywise. So he intended the character to be much darker and twister than Vince ever let it be. But over the course of his WWF run, it seemed like the character was continually had its layers peeled back and just became a playful clown stereotype. And on your research of Matt Bourne, don't you think that he is one of the most underrated wrestlers that you've probably never even thought too long about? Just undoubtedly a confusing, talented, frustrating, charismatic, and ultimately tragic wrestling personality who had so much potential and all of the potential in the world, and yet is now unfortunately sort of relegated to a, a minor footnote in the annals of history yeah unfortunately the uh doink the clown gimmick has outlived him and there's two reasons for that i think like you said no one ever really gave him the push he deserved and two unfortunately for his own drug use i think um hampered his career but also his life i've got one or two additions and omissions to your very well presented opening phrase he only ever made one appearance for wwe after he left the Doink character, which was on some point in December 2007, where he uh, came back for a very quick battle royal, a Legends battle royal, 15 old Raw stars for 15th year anniversary. And he got knocked out within about 45 seconds by Al Snow's head. But he never made another appearance for them before or since. A lot of those uh, Doink appearances were usually played by Steve Kern, Steve Lombardi, or Ray Apollo. Unfortunately, it it feels like Matt Bourne, even by ECW, was somewhat blacklisted from the industry. I I know he had severe drug issues, which he talked about openly, but looking back on this character, I never understood why he never got a second or third break, because every other wrestling personality in the industry has always come back somewhere at some time whether it be Impact, WCW, ECW, whatever. So I've seen a lot of shoot interviews on Matt Bourne. I don't, I mean, I don't want to talk bad about the guy because I obviously never seen him. And I haven't seen many shoot interviews with him, but it seems like, I don't think hothead is the right word to use, but he seemed to get a lot of people's backs up against the wall. The germination of the idea for a grumpy clown, apparently, according to Bruce Pritchard, came from Road Warrior Hawk, who saw a surly born half-undressed from his working clothes, smoking a cigarette with his gut out, and he shouted, Krusty the Clown. Uh, so you have the Simpsons to thank for Doink the Clown, really. That's crazy. 
Yeah, so Matt Bourne was never came up with this character originally. It was presented to him. It was presented to him, and it was from a, a, a very tough, hard-working, shoot-fight family. Uh, th- there's a thing on YouTube where Kevin Nash talks about Doink and Doink getting upset about using Kevin Nash using the F word, which was fake. Kevin Nash pretends to play his schmuck cool gimmick and berate doink but that was the sort of thing that matt Bourne came from he, he came from a, a a very old school wrestling father who was very serious about wrestling technicality and the belief that it was real and true and that if it was called fake there would be hell to pay that's kind of what i mean when i said he rubs people up the wrong way that um, he seemed to keep kayfabe real even in the locker room. And then during the 90s is when kayfabe was being destroyed the most and people, guys just didn't really care for that anymore. And he was trying to keep kind of wrestling sacred. Ultimately, though, I I feel like that that personality, that mindset added immensely to the character of Doink. I feel like Doink is one of those characters that you could give to the majority of wrestlers and it'd fall on its face and it'd be it'd be like an albatross around their neck. I, I, I can't really think of many wrestlers who would take this gimmick and run with it to the level that Matt Bourne did. And uh, uh, the most important thing that I think about Matt, Matt Bourne's wrestling personality as Doink is that he wasn't a clown. He was a wrestling clown. He was a wrestler playing a clown rather than a clown playing a wrestler, which is where they got it wrong, babyface or not, later in the fictional Doink's career. They, uh, they, they went more to the clown aspects and the gimmicks and the jokes and the practical humor, whereas Matt Bourne lived on a very fine edge of showing the man behind the mask, showing the psychological effects of that, but also having a unique and talented wrestling ability. So Bobby Heenan says in quite a few of these matches that this isn't a clown, this is a guy dressed up as a clown to try and get the psychological advantage. So leaning into that aspect of the character makes it a lot more serious rather than a joke. Yeah, I, I mean, Vince McMahon as well, who's also on commentary at this time, is they're calling him a schizophrenic. They're saying he has split personality. In the earlier days, before we get to the sort of SummerSlam level, they're referring to him as a man instead of a clown, as you said. But there's so many facets to this character, which I felt was so slightly underworked. I don't know whether it was because of the product at the time and the fact that they had to retain a, a little bit of uh, PG going on here, or it was just maybe a little muddled as to what they actually wanted to do with the character because they introduced things and then took took them away. But there's lots of little instances which could have made a, a, an incredible difference. If we're talking about Doink the Clown's first debut, Bobby Heenan states, I know this man. I've seen him before. I'm sure of it. And he says that quite a few times over the next couple of months as well. Yeah. And what an amazing idea. Don't you think... Uh, and I'm not sure whether that was Bobby Heenan's play up or he was told to say that, but just the idea of a wrestling, a wrestler, a proper wrestler who had slowly gone crazy and inhibited a clown gimmick to then come into WWF and nobody knows who he is under the face paint, but they recognize him just the slightest and it, it, it stops becoming a gimmick and it starts becoming a man with serious psychological issues that wrestlers have met before down the line but now nobody knows who he is because he they don't he doesn't i guess he doesn't get undressed in the locker room in front of them it, playing up that sort of um severe mental illness in the man is i think what made matt Bourne great there's a lot of layers to this character like, who is the guy underneath the face paint? He's often, like, hysterically laughing at the camera and then immediately stops with a sinister stare. Um, I feel like what we think Bray Wyatt is doing, which is great, that there's so many layers to his character, um, Matt Bourne was doing with Doink right at the beginning, but the era of fans didn't really enjoy that style of gimmick. I absolutely agree. I, I think maybe it's less that era of fans not enjoying the gimmick and more so what they were attempting to present during that time because I truly believe that if Matt Bourne, drug-free, had come into the WWE maybe two years later and played this same gimmick, we would remember him 
as a focal point of the attitude error. Uh, but just to analyze some of these motions that we see in the opening months, one of his first appearances on the 1st of March, 1993, he, he stares directly into the camera, leery, his mouth is muttering something. He's breaking the fourth wall, but it's only caught by the camera. And this is, this is great subtle work because when he's not staring directly at the camera, he's laughing with the crowd and he's playing up the manic energy of being cheerful and happy. It's just when he, the first couple of appearances, it's just when he stares at the camera that you look deeply into his eyes and you see that there's somebody seriously unwell there. So it's like he's playing up to the live crowd, but and maybe not a cry for help, but like he's letting you see into the real, the TV audience into who the real person is. Yeah, which is just money, man. That's just money. It's a shame. I think the gimmick and maybe him as a performer was before his time. I definitely agree. Uh, even the um, the entrance music for Doink, the the happy, happy clown music going straight into screeching violins and kids crying is way beyond its time as well. It reminds me of the early theme tune for Mankind before the car crashing stuff when he first came in. I was going to say that I think Mankind's theme tune comes from this. The idea of it. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, there's so many different little aspects and I'm not sure whether it's economical or planned, but just the fact that I, I, I will forever cherish whoever bought the face paint for Doink the Clown because they bought some pretty cheap shit. So five, if he has a match beyond five minutes, it starts to wear off and you start to see the guy's face and that immediately becomes creepier. He's got a singlet in which his chest hair sticks out. He, he becomes far more sinister and creepy when you realize that he's hardly even trying to show the fact that he's an actual clown. The, the more sinister parts come when you realize that he's a man. Like when uh, Vince McMahon calls out the fact that he's got yellow teeth, yellow disgusting teeth on commentary. Or when he's about to wrestle Bret Hart, SummerSlam comes, comes out with a cigar in his mouth. These things are, could, from anybody else, could have been handled as literally cl- crusted a clown. Matt Bourne takes them and makes them far more creepy than they have any right to be. It's like his character isn't a character clown. It's like a real life human being who is a clown and he's just given up on life. It's why I'm so sad that uh, Bobby Heaton didn't carry on with that. I've seen him somewhere before shtick, really. I think that should have been played into more. So Doink, Matt Bourne's Doink only has two feuds, two storylines. So let's talk about the first one, which is his only WrestleMania appearance against Crush. Because this storyline pretty much starts right at his debut. Um, You got all the shenanigans where he's doing clown-ish antics in jobber matches, annoying people. And the only person that turns around and says, like, stop what the fuck you're doing is Crush. Yeah, and I thought Crush as a big white meat baby face was a pretty good could pick a big dumb good guy against someone who is quite obviously manipulative you know i think if big boss man was a face back in this time um he would have worked because he could have been like an authority figure to like stop the clown um upsetting the kids but i think he was healed so that wouldn't have worked anyway yeah also another good idea i i think the the issue if anything with crush is that he was a relatively new character in wwf as well at this time and they were also trying to get him over so it was, a, it was a bad, it was a really good mix of characters, but I think it was a bad mix of one guy giving the other guy a rub because they, they saw big things in Crush at that point, And I think they really wanted him to be the next big baby face before eventually Lex Luger came in in the autumn. I know of Crush, but I think before this, I'd never watched a full Crush match. He was pretty short term, as far as I'm aware. In this initial Crush angle, Doink swings wildly at the back of the head crashing the loaded arm across non-PG TV places, like across the neck, across the back, across across the actual fragile head skull top. And I counted how many times he did this, hit that over the back of the guy's head 21 times. They later say in commentary that the plaster cast that he hit Crush over the back of the head with was filled with batteries and lead. Yep, they did say that. So this is dark stuff, man. Yeah, that's some gruesome stuff. What um, 
Because early 90s, they were still aiming at kids and families, right? As far as I'm aware, yeah. This was the new generation, but it was still very kid-friendly. Okay, so let me explain exactly what, what just happened there. Is In one of these um, shenanigans where Doink interrupts matches, he was... I've forgotten exactly what he was doing. I think this is the one where he had like a paddle bull thing and he was trying to hit it into kids' faces. And right. and it, during one of Crush's uh, squash matches, Crush comes out and tells him to quit it and he grabs his arm and kind of twists it and says, stop doing that to kids. The next week, Doink comes out with his arm um, as if it's broken in a cast. And he's in an interview segment. The week after, he comes out and like you said, he hits him with the cast and it was fake all along. So that sets up their WrestleMania match. There was a creepy little moment as well where uh, Doink was attempting to give Crush like a wilted flower, which I, 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 I really enjoyed the imagery of. Yeah, I really enjoyed the imagery of that. There's a great promo. There's, there's a lot of like talking head promos in this era of wrestling. Um, there's a great promo Doink does. And we can say this about all the promos that he does. I noticed a theme is that he starts really loud, really bright and in your face, moving around. And as the promo goes on, he gets slower and quieter and starts moving less and more sinister and makes direct eye contact with the camera. So it's like you can see the clown and the man in one promo. Yeah, the, the promos are on another level, man. And also, as you're saying, starting off manic and then going slow and almost Jake the Snake Roberts style is so interesting in comparison to what you've you've been fed from 1985 up to this point, in which you start slow and you get angry, or you just get angry the whole way through. Mm. This is the most sort of uh, promo character work that w we had seen at this sort of point since a Jake the, the Snake or whatever, you know. It really makes them stick out as well. Uh, but in this one specific promo to Crush before their WrestleMania match, uh, he goes, he kind of stops. So he goes, look into my eyes, Crush, and tell me what you can see. At WrestleMania, there'll be no clowning around. And he says a lot of lines similar to this, which really kind of peel back layers of his character that he himself doesn't think of himself as a clown. He, You know, there's something else going on in his own head. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's handled so well uh, that the everything is pulled into one almost in, in, imperceptibly sometimes. He had a match with Kamala, I think, in the lead-up to WrestleMania 9. And there's a point where, for some reason, Kamala is under the ring and uh, Doink gets a chair and swings it just manically, swinging it like crazy manically into the apron to try and hit him. And he does it so overly exaggerated and so cartoonish that it feels like Tom and Jerry. But then he also gives a look to the camera and you see these dark, soulless black eyes. And he's, he's suddenly mixed perfectly the cartoony clown and the, the schizophrenic, uh, unhinged, scary, scary dude into one in a, in a physical image that reminds us of cartoons, while at the same time we realize that this is real men, which I thought was just amazing. R.I.P. Kamala as, as well, who died this week. Yeah. Um, but so do you think that this character was ever as scary or on that level that he wanted it to be in these early stages before that first WrestleMania match? I can't speak for Matt Bourne, but I feel like he would have been quite pleased with these early months straight before WrestleMania because there's a lot of building by both by the commentary team, uh, the, the, what he's allowed to do, the possibilities of what he, he's allowed to do within a PG environment. I thought it, it, it came across as obviously kid-friendly still, but bordering on the edge, bordering on the line of it. And I think it's after WrestleMania that it starts to lose its momentum. Oh, yeah, in the bit. summer it falls apart. He himself has said in the very early days he modeled himself around the Joker. So he wanted to be a scary clown. I think he achieved it. So let's talk about this WrestleMania match, which... What did you... Did, did you watch it in full? I did watch it in full. I, have you seen it before doing this? I have seen it once i think i watched wrestlemania 9 once through okay. and that was enough for me i've seen bits of wrestlemania 9 i've never watched it through so i've missed this match this is the first time i've seen it do i doink or matt bourne is one of those wrestlers that can definitely he can definitely wrestle he is 
He's good at mat wrestling and character work and working a crowd. But you can tell he's one of those guys that needs someone else to be able to put on an amazing match. And Crush didn't give him that performance. That's definitely true. I think I feel like they worked with what they had. It, I mean, you said you haven't seen WrestleMania Nine in full. WrestleMania Nine is known as one of the worst wrestling pay per views of all time, let alone the worst WrestleManias. And they didn't have the worst match on the show, so that says something. But I did not enjoy Wrestle. I was getting into the Doink character and the idea or the the stuff that was they were selling me the stuff. Doink was selling me with his eyes and I was prepared for a, a subpar match because everything up to this point, there weren't great matches going on. You could tell that, as you said, he, he was a good wrestler. He had good sound technical skill. They He was kind of facing jobbers or he was having like three, four minute disqualifications or whatever. So I wasn't prepared for a great match. But this disappointed me in terms of character and what they did with Doink at this point, which is the imposter doink the end of the match is a second doink coming from underneath the ring to help i think the ref is laid out at this point and then the two doinks work together to lay out crush and then they have that in the mirror moment where they both make the same kind of movement as if like they didn't know the other one existed and don't get me wrong, that was a, a fantastic vigil that a lot of people remember. And I think a lot of people remember Doink for that very moment. But in terms of the character and where I wanted it to go, that was the opposite. Because after this, we had multiple fake Doinks. According to Bruce Pritchard, they were seriously considering a Doink f- faction, a Doink tag team, um, which I think would have lost the edge of Matt Bourne's character. But I, I also think that by putting it off and saying it's an illusion or whatever, or, or even Doink actually hiring people to stand in, like if we're talking proper kayfabe, Doink hiring people to sit in Doink costumes and turn up. That's not really the unhinged character that he was attempting p- to portray, in my opinion. He, he, uh, he didn't want, a, a scheming clown he wanted a unhinged clown in in the middle there you definitely came across the point like you said in the first couple of months he was building this kind of per, split personality and then with the ending of this match the commentary team were arguing amongst each other whether whether they saw a second clown or whether it was an illusion so they kind of started the ball rolling on a supernatural storyline here mixed with comedy yeah you're exactly right and it was a really stupid like i didn't mind the ending the idea that oh there was either he hired someone or there is going to be a second clown whatever but then immediately i think it was vince on commentary started saying i didn't see a clown that must have been an illusion or it must have been in crush's mind it's like what you're really telling me that what i just watched on tv is in someone's head yeah dude i mean that's the point right i mean the whole juice of it was the sinister side of the gimmick that he was actually a real guy who might well have been previously a famous professional wrestler who had lost his mind due to wrestling and become a clown character but they completely went into farce with the idea of illusion and for the next like month or two i think bobby heenan played this up as comedy and Vince McMahon, whether you agree with me or not, I'd be interested to hear, is is schizophrenic in himself about this gimmick because some weeks he's hacking it up and yucking it up about Doink. Uh, some weeks he's saying this guy is serious threat. He says he's sick all the time. But then also he, he's laughing at some of the stuff Doink does. And at other times he's scolding Randy Savage and Bobby Heenan for making jokes about him. So like his, his idea of Doink seemed to be all over the place here. If that didn't happen at WrestleMania, they didn't do this illusion thing. Do you think he never would have become a comedy character? Do you think like because of that misstep only two or three months into the, the gimmicks life, that's what ended him up being a comedy character a year later. That's a really interesting point, and I think it's definitely a step on the way. It definitely took away from some of the work that Matt Bourne had specifically put in to build it. And after WrestleMania, there's a noticeable decline, both in Doink being represented as a three-dimensional, subtle character, and Matt Bourne's effort into doing that. I think Vince and the creative team gave up 
four months into the character's life. I wouldn't necessarily say that because throughout, uh, whether it's a doink double getting the loss or a disqualification or you saw the Randy Savage match, that, that midget stuff, the little people stuff was crazy. Doink never suffered really, I could see, any clean losses until he became a face. So they're obviously saving him for something. And they put him against big, big stars. They put him against a rare Randy Savage match in 1993. They put him against Bret Hart at SummerSlam. It seemed like they were still into the idea. More so, they were confused as to what they could possibly do with it. Mm. So, so coming out of WrestleMania 9, he continued to feud with Crush through much of that summer. Um, he also feuded on and off, mainly on house shows, I think, with 123Kid, which is X-Pac before around Survivor Series time getting involved as a prop in Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart's story. Yeah, this was SummerSlam. Um, Oh, SummerSlam, sorry. Yeah. Did you see around this time some of the promos they were doing? So we say like the two doinks wasn't very smart and added like a comedy element. But did you see some of the, um, the promos where they've got like a split screen and they're talking to both wrestlers at the same time and then doinks on one like doing the promo and then behind the other guy on the other screen the other doink is running in the background yeah the interviewer is like watch out he's behind you that as i say it like that it sounds very comedic but it actually wasn't it was quite sinister like fuck he's in the room with you you know kind of like batman hiding in the shadows like yeah there's a doink yeah, I mean, behind you I, I definitely agree that there's so many things throughout this entire gimmick which uh, I don't know. I, see, I can't really tell you whether I think it was handled misproperly or it was the timing or it was the the decisions made as to the feuds. But that everything always felt that it had heaps of potential but was just underutilized in a way. Well, we're talking about horror, and I think that was the most horror-specific thing for me when there was a second doink hiding behind someone else in like a different room. And it's like, he's going to fucking get you. Which which would have been great, and which would have played into the horror theme of clowns in general, apart from the fact that you had Bobby Heenan making a joke about it later, because Bobby Heenan is a heel, and Drink the Clown is a heel. So Bobby Heenan infiltrating his heel personality onto Doink the Clown did Doink the Clown far more bad than good. Bobby Heenan should have been a little creeped out by the clown and realized oh this guy is a different type of heel from me i'm not sure i'm entirely comfortable with him joking about because this is pretty sinister stuff and the second boink is pretty sinister stuff that's what i'm saying like there's so many small moments which could have changed slightly alternately and made a whole new level of a, a boink character which could have had a, a long-lasting longevity in the wwf I don't know. I don't. I don't think this character would have lasted very long. Really? You don't think so? I, I think it could have done. But I just think in the era that they were in, this character was never going to survive. Before we get straight to that, I want to talk to you about the reasons that WWF decided to turn Doink face. Because I've heard so many different things from different people, different sources. Doink was turned face because Matt Brown was having drug issues and they couldn't really see him putting the same amount of effort needed into the character to make him heal. I've also heard stuff from people like Pritchard who said it actually had nothing to do with Bourne's drug issues and it was because he was so popular that they had to turn him face. What's your opinion on this sort of stuff? Oh, I've not heard that one. That feels really like that could be true. Doink, I imagine a lot like Rey Mysterio, could be selling a lot of merchandise. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, is the, the Pritchard interview was quite interesting because he said there was no merchandise being sold for Doink the Clown because during that era, no heel sold merchandise because Vince McMahon would blow a gasket. He would say, why would anybody want to buy a yeah. heel's merchandise? Sure. Heel. That makes sense in like the kayfabe world. And he was, Doink was trying to do this sinister stuff and it wasn't getting anywhere because people wanted to cheer him. And the original idea for Doink being a face was not what he became, which was a, a comedy act that was used, thrown out for charities and stuff. Well, he became a stereotypical clown. He became Ronald McDonald. Yeah, basically. But that wasn't originally supposed to be the idea of it. They, they wanted... Matt Bourne to still inhabit that face human being, the human being that had turned good instead of just being the clown. I assume, not that Pritchard says it, 
so that they could maybe later turn him again. But don't you think that this heel gimmick lasted eight months? I think Matt Bourne lasted about eight and a half. Think about the potential opponents Doink could have had. Hulk Hogan. I'll put it out there. Hulk Hogan versus Doink the Clown. That would be something I would pay money to see. Apparently, Matt Bourne in a shoot said he originally proposed that idea, but Hogan vetoed it. But everybody takes that with a pinch of salt because Bourne also made up other lies about Hogan, which turned out to be not true. But can you imagine a Doink the a major Doink the Clown Hulk Hogan feud in which Doink the Clown is treated seriously as a manic psychopath? That Hulk Hogan needs to take out. If Doink had another year of build, maybe, but he was—he wasn't on that level in '93. He was getting there, though. He, he worked with Savage. He worked with Bret Hart. He worked with Mr. Perfect. Like he was always an, at the very minimum mid card, if not. Well, apparently, the nail in the coffin was um... Bam Bam. Bam Bam Bigelow was the guy that apparently. Uh, snitched on Matt Bourne smoking weed in a hotel lobby. Yeah, he's who got him fired uh, at the end there. And uh, he didn't like the idea of jobbing to him either. But let, let, oh, come on now. Let me just take you down alternative universe lane. Hulk Hogan versus Doink the Clown. That's money, man. You you could have had Lex Luger. You could have had Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. You could have had a proper feud with Randy Savage. And then you've got the ultimate in my opinion, you keep saying that Doink based his character on the 1960s Batman television show Joker. He went into the independence in the 2010s, basing it upon Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, he definitely did. He had the ultimate Batman versus the Joker feud in WWF at that time. Who have you got? I don't think Doink and Hulk Hogan would have made a very good match, though. Hulk Hogan's not Batman. Who are you on about? The Undertaker versus Doink the Clown. Batman versus the Joker. We got it already. SummerSlam 1994. Do you know who the Undertaker feuded with? Who? Himself. Oh, it was the Undertaker versus the Undertaker. Change that to Doink the Clown. I think it would have been great. But you're making Doink even more supernatural now. Well, you might. I feel like he would have gone down that avenue anyway if he was to last in the new generation. Just lean into it. Lean into it until you can't anymore. Because if they had managed to keep him going over this new generation to the dawn of the Attitude Era, he could have turned in the same way that Undertaker eventually did before Undertaker did it. He could have had a mental breakdown from WWF, make him, him be a clown and pretend to be supernatural. It would have gone straight into a good transition. Doink in the Attitude Era, maybe, with a ripped leather jacket, half the face paint, full-blown psychotic. Like, do you think they could have ever got the character to the stylings of a Kane or an Undertaker? I don't know if they would have done it in WWF, but we saw... Uh, the beginnings of that when he went to ECW and what he did there on a bigger stage in Attitude Era, I think would have gone down amazingly in like the hardcore division against Mankind, Al Snow, those kind of guys. Uh, it really surprises me that Doink in ECW was never picked up by another company again because it that I, I watched that just before we started this and he was sort of acting erratically, he had stubble growing out, his moods regularly changed and his eyes were bulging. His face was half painted and he had like the, he still had the original sort of dirty looking singlet with a massive pot belly. I thought that gimmick had so much legs. Well, after ECW, he kind of semi-retired. He was done with wrestling and then came back to the independent circuit like years later. So maybe it was a decision on his part that he just fell out of love with it. Well, I heard he was let go from ECW again because of drug issues. And that's the sad case of, of Matt Bourne, who we've been talking about for 43 minutes now and it's quite clear we both have grown in the last two weeks to adore the guy but i definitely i agree with you i definitely think this gimmick has absolutely all the opportunities during the attitude era to do crazy stuff like the vignettes would have been amazing him versus um gold dust or like you said undertaker kane mankind al snow I've got this beautiful little future of Doink in my head. It going longer than eight months, him beating up mid-carders, having this massive blow-off feud with uh, Batman versus Joker, Undertaker versus Doink. Then Doink going on to a Hogan feud if Hogan had stuck around in WWF and then slowly transitioning into this psychotic character, which is half of his body, half of his 
half of his entire piece of clothing is the old doink costume and half of it is ripped spikes and fucking leather jeans and it's such a shame that i never got to see it although you know the oddities the stable in the late 90s yeah i recently watched the undertaker chokeslam kurgan yeah so i in that world 100 percent doink would have been involved with the oddities you think so yeah no doubt because they're meant to be like a carnival sideshow I don't know about that, though, because I feel like Matt Bourne would have risen to the top because he was the cream of the crop. I I feel like he could have been given that Mick Foley role, really ran with it and made it work. But then would we have Mick Foley and Mankind without doing? Arguably, Mick Foley as a performer, like he's a comedy genius. So I think Mick Foley would have always had the position he got. But would he have had a, a leeway in if Doink had been in that attitude doing basically Mankind's gimmick? M- maybe not Vince might have said, we've already got a guy doing... Yeah, but there's layers to Mick Foley because he's also the stuntman. He does the crazy shit as well. As well as the Hey character. man, I know you love your Foley. I'm not, I'm not saying no, no, that. I, that I know, that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking like, you're right. If they've already got a Mankind, Mick Foley may never have been hired or Cactus Jack may never have been hired in the WWF. But then it's not just the character stuff with Foley. It's, it's the Daredevil stuff as well. Definitely. I, I definitely I, I genuinely believe that McFoley would have gotten a job at some point anyway. I, I just feel like Matt Bourne really had a hard time of it during his wrestling career because based upon WWE Doink Run, his ECW Born Again stuff, and, and the small amounts that we have of him, fundamentally he was an incredible talent that could make anything work and make it work well. And it's a, it's a shame to me that He's a footnote in history now, and he's been replaced in the images of, of Doink in people's heads as as that Ray Apollo gimmick with, with Dink uh, running around on a unicycle. It's crazy. The Doink everyone remembers isn't even Matt Bourne. Yeah. This is like a really small part of WWF history that people don't think about because the, the Ray Apollo Doink was around for two years after uh, Matt Bourne's eight-month run. It's a shame to me. And I, I think... If you go back to 1993 and you really think about a clown being in WWF, I don't think he was never not going to have a face turn. They have a clown. There's no world in which he was always going to be here. It needed more thought, more build, which obviously wasn't around in 1993 wrestling. They, they thought of a character, and it wasn't even like they put the character on a guy they already had. They brought in a guy and then thought, wow, what, what are we doing with this guy? And then thought about an old idea that they'd had. This doink gimmick, this sad clown gimmick, had been sort of run, rolling around Vince's head for three years now. I genuinely believe that if doink had come in in 1993 as a face... And then six months later, he got little persons. And then he had various feuds with bad guys and endeared himself to the crowd and then lost his mind and then looked at the crowd and thought, why do you love me? I'm not doing anything. Why am I here? What am I doing? I'm a talented wrestler. Why am I playing a clown? Why have I got a little guy next? Mm. And then done the same stuff that Matt Bourne was doing at the start I think you would have had a viable contender for lots of marquee matches. Yeah, that would have been a really nice backstory to like push him up to the main event spot. Because that's basically what Bobby Heenan was already attempting to do. He was trying to say that this was already a wrestler who had lost his mind and put on a clown costume. Yeah, If they'd shown it on TV, I think Doink could have been massive. If we saw him lost his mind, lose his mind. Yeah. And we would have been connected with the character much more as an audience as well. Definitely. Because we would have seen that evolution of it. But unfortunately, by Christmas 1993, or maybe 1994, that you had Santa Claus gifting Doink a dink. So th- this was still Matt Bourne, that segment. So he was around for a full year, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's a segment at, cri- at Christmas where Santa Claus comes out and gives Doink a dwarf. As, as a present, and it's now his new manager, if you like it. <laughs> I don't know, he just follows him around a lot. Um, that is Matt Bourne. That was like one of Matt Bourne's last appearances. As far as I can find on the network, I think he has one more match after this. Um, oh, dude, just in general, Doink the Clown was as hard to find matches for if you didn't know what you were looking for as Ludwig Borger. 
there's nothing on his character on his wrestler profile there's like one match on his wrestler profile yeah if you look at and and also his ecw stuff was impossible to find man i had to really trawl through some ecw episodes i had no idea how you found that i found that because we share a WWE network and it was on my continue watching. So thank you. <laughs> I literally had no idea how you located that. His stuff is really hard to find. And his, if you type Doink in the network, you get like the, uh, the mid 2000s stuff where he comes back as a legend. And I, I actually thought, cause I didn't do my research that that was Matt Bourne, but you corrected me. He only did one appearance and then the rest of it was other people. I think a lot of the time it just sadly feels like, Everybody thought Bourne was too much to work with and too much to deal with, considering you can put anybody under that face paint and nobody will notice the difference. I think that is the ultimate issue as to why Matt Bourne was never a major success in the world of wrestling. And another story I've heard, I can't confirm the source, is that during the house shows, while Doink was still a heel, Vince was working multiple towns at the same time and this is where steve kern before wrestlemania 9 or maybe just slightly after first started playing the doink character because vince realized that he could have two doinks on two different shows at the same time and i think that is where vince thought in his head this is money this is dollar and i feel like that's where the storyline fell apart and that's where Matt Bourne's lock iron contract fell apart as well. That's really got to crush Matt Bourne's spirit. That he's putting all of his time and effort into building this character, this gimmick. And Vince just feels like he can throw on any other guy. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah, lot which like... Which he did for a further two, three years. And I'm pretty sure... I mean, obviously you can't take my word for it. But I'm pretty sure Doink in 94, 95, considering all the charity stuff they were doing, was making more money than Matt Bourne Doink. Imagine if there was an official Rey Mysterio in 2006 and then three unofficial Rey Mysterios doing house shows. Like, how crazy would that be? It's sad. If you really think about it. Towards, I think, the late 90s, WWF sent out a cease and desist warrant to Matt Bourne to say, please do not use the Matt Bourne character, otherwise we'll sue you. Just a, a massive slap in the face. Yeah, it's really demoralizing that you put that much effort in and they don't even accredit you to the character. It makes me wonder whether Vince McMahon ever actually saw the subtleties that we can physically view and see or Matt bumping in. He definitely did. And that's why they turned him face. That's why they made him a comedy clown because they couldn't see the layers that were there. I feel like this character, if handled rightly and actually protected and looked after and seriously thought about for more than five minutes, and I know we're talking about WWF here, so it probably wouldn't have happened, could have lasted, in my opinion, well into at least 2001, for example. Mm. This could have been an eight-year gimmick. I mean, you're telling me, The Miz has been around for like 12, 13 fucking years. Matt Bourne actually had something. And Doink the Clown, Steve Austin said, Bret Hart said, it's not just me, but famous wrestlers have said, like, Doink the Clown was an amazing gimmick and potentially could have been one of the best gimmicks in the industry. Uh, Matt Bourne's promos are some of the best wrestling promos I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, he really yeah. knew the character he wanted to be, and he's got some fantastic one-liners. A lot of stuff about clowning around or about, I'm going to make a clown out of you like silly stuff like that but then there's so much stuff like there's a promo with against randy savage and he says you just shout and jump a lot and wear all these big colorful colors because you don't know who you are and you're trying to tell the fans that you're someone that you're not well i know who i am then he does like his menacing stare and you're not going to make a clown out of me. I loved that promo because he was effectively saying Randy Savage is a cartoon character clown that the fans adore. And I am a real human being. You just don't really know me yet. I loved also when he used to, he did it a few times. Where he's looking in the mirror and he says, yeah. mirror, mirror. Like that's some creepy stuff. Even from a PG 1993 television program right up until now. That is some creepy stuff. I think he did a really, really great job. I, and I can completely see where you're coming from, where you said that he actively researched this role by looking into it and Pennywise and stuff. And that's another thing, man. Pennywise and it. 
so Pritchard said that in order to prepare Vince McMahon for this role, for 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 this gimmick, they finally showed him what The Simpsons was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sat and watched an episode featuring Krusty the Clown. Good okay. shit, now. Okay, and they got him a videotape of the I think 1986 movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And Pritchard said, "This is what evil clowns are, Vince." Right. Do you think that the it Pennywise bonanza over the last couple of years? I can't remember when it was actually the first one actually came out. Do you think a down on his luck, slightly overweight, tired, bored, and sick of his current role, Bray Wyatt, maybe went to see it and then looked back in the vaults, put the two together, came out with the fiend? Oh. Yeah, I, f- I mean, this is just a theory. I don't know anything for sure, but I firmly believe Bray has taken a lot of inspiration from this. Yeah. I mean, I, how old is Bray? Was he a kid watching uh, WWF back in this time? He would have been around the age to... I think he's like 10 years older than us, right? So he would have been about 10 watching this stuff. We were that age when we were watching Rock and Austin and we remember bits. So Doink's first initial run could be something that he remembers as an early wrestling memory. And this is, I mean, also on, on top of that, if you want to get really geeky, WWE WrestleMania, the WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game, had Doink as one of seven only characters which to me tells me that he was like firmly, that's why I was saying earlier, I feel like he was firmly positioned for a little while as a, a big, big name in that new generation era. And they were really pushing him to the stars. Because he, as I said before, even Randy, Randy Savage won his match against Doink with a schoolboy roll-up after the distraction of a little person, which is pretty crazy to think of now. Uh, anyway, but in WWF, the arcade game, one of Doink's finishing moves is a giant hammer which he squishes his opponents with. The fiend does it, and he's squashed his bunny rabbit. And he's uh, and it's it's very interesting to me because it's different coloring, but the exact same patterns. I I definitely think you could credit uh, Matt Bourne's doink to uh, the fiend. One hundred percent. You can see a lot more, of- more so than more so than most gimmicks as well. Don't you think? Like I feel like Bray Wyatt has taken more from Doink than The Undertaker, for example. Very much so. Um, I just wonder back where when Matt Bourne was leaving WWE, or he got fired, what he himself thought about his face turn. You know, the amount of effort he put into being a scary kind of character. How he felt about being gifted a dwarf, about yeah. becoming a charitable presence. I can't imagine he liked anything apart from the money, Ben, to be honest with you. So I wonder if, okay, yeah, the money, but I wonder if creatively he quite relished the idea about going to ECW. Yeah, which is why it's such a shame that that thing was so short-lived. So I've watched, I'm pretty sure it's all you watched as well, what you found, uh, which was Born Again versus Too Cold Scorpio. Yeah. And I, I looked this up and he had become Born Again after being Doink on ECW. Uh, so did you watch the match where he's doink? No, so, I couldn't find it. So they're having like a tournament. I, d- I don't know what for what. And he's up against a guy called Nine One One, who is managed by Pui Dangerously. It's still Eastern Championship Wrestling at this point, but the crowd is like manic. That is, it's proper ECW crowd. It's only like a month or a couple of months before they change to extreme championship wrestling. And he's there in full dunk costume and he's just leaning up against the ropes eating an apple. And it's the most clown he's ever looked because he's got all the mannerisms of a, a, just a circus clown that's on his break and just doesn't give a fuck and doesn't want to be there. And he's just chewing on this apple like... It's no big deal, and he doesn't really realize he's about to get into a fight. And then he gets his ass handed to him. This massive guy, he's huge. I think I've seen him before. Yeah, no, I've never seen him before either, and I love ECW. This guy didn't last very long. But the ECW crowd is, like, chanting, go away, um, like, fuck you, um, you're a joke, stuff like that. Like, like they're really laying into Doink. And then um, it's Shane Douglas in a throwaway promo. I read this. I couldn't even find it on the network. But on ECW TV at some point, he referenced Doink. And he said, WWF turned you into a clown, but you're not a clown. 
Matt Bourne, you should be born again in ECW. And then like a week later or something, Matt Bourne does his born again promo. Right. That's interesting. I, and I, I saw on the internet somewhere that the whole born again thing was less the psychological aspects of Doink being a creepy clown with a man underneath the face paint and more Doink slash born being mentally distraught at having to wrestle as a clown in WWF, which is an amazing turn of gimmick. Yeah, it's like he's recovering from being a clown. Does that not show you, though, the, the, like the immense talent uh, and creativity that Matt Bourne had? Take the same gimmick, take the same psychosis that he played as Doink in the WWF and twist it so that it now represents the psychosis of playing Doink in the WWF and almost becomes meta in itself. Like, this guy could have made so much money. That's what I keep having to stress for any company that would have taken him and his drug problems. I'm really gutted that for whatever reason, his ECW run didn't last. Because there's a lot of guys involved in ECW that had drug problems. So that can't be the reason why his run in ECW didn't happen. There's actually a shoot about this. I've heard some varying stories. Uh, apparently, one story is Matt Bourne had some European dates that were too much money to pass up. And he told Paulie that after the European tour, he'd come straight back. He phoned up Paulie and Paulie never uh, got answered his calls ever again. That sounds about right for Heyman. The other story is that Matt Bourne's drug issues were so severe that he was actually doing harder drugs than most of the ECW roster and Paulie didn't want to introduce those drugs to the locker room. I think the first one sounds more realistic to you. Yeah, that sounds like a Heyman thing. That I mean, Heyman, I, I don't know about nowadays, but he did used to hold um, a grudge. Very famously, Tommy Dreamer said that he would have to try and manage relationships with people that Paul Heyman pissed off. Yeah, I mean, Taz has talked multiple times about how he tried to defend the ECW championship on WWE and stuff, and Paul Heyman just literally wanted nothing to do with him until we met him in WWE about 10 years later. It definitely sounds like if Matt Bourne had probably not even done anything that wrong, really, but just rubbed Paul Heyman up the wrong way, that could have been the end of his run. Which is unfortunate, because the character was perfect for ECW. And you know for sure that if he had become a massive deal in ECW, he would have been brought back during the Attitude Era. And he would have gotten a second chance to fully portray that crazy, scary clown. Yeah, think how different life would have been. I think life would have been for the better, but this is one of those situations. As a, a passionate wrestling fan, just like you, this is one of those horrible what-ifs, similar to if Bret Hart hadn't been retired by Goldberg. It's just one of those things. What you have done for me by announcing Doink the Clown is completely removing what I thought Doink the Clown was. Because I, I, I'm not afraid to admit that just like every other dude, I thought Doink the Clown was the peak of WWF shite, of uh, kid-friendly Teletubbies-style wrestling, in which you had a literal clown being a clown on TV and it was all kid friendly and this introduced me to a whole different world of which I don't think I've ever really seen before yeah there were some real horror elements right at the beginning and unfortunately he was just never allowed to run with that still don't really understand why he had slices of New York cheese for his back pockets though no I, I, I don't know there's a lot of things even in this research i've missed like we said it was really hard to find some stuff on um the network i mean a lot of stuff i just found deep on youtube uh just following links it's 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 really difficult to track down doink in general let alone matt Bourne's doink uh i don't know why wwf seemed to have just thrown him off a cliff but they definitely want to portray Doink in a certain way. They definitely want you to see the modern representation of the clown Doink rather than the horror, scary origin story. Well, I, I, I did notice, uh, going back to that gimmick battle royal for the 15th anniversary of Raw, the only appearance of Matt Bourne, they played the comedy Doink theme tune, which I thought was a bit disheartening. And even in the other appearance he's had since, he's, he's in like a six-man tag with Kane, and it's comedy doink again. Yeah. I did find a really interesting match on YouTube. There's there's a lot of them um, in the mid-2010s. 
where Matt Bourne is just doing independent shows. And there's one where he is in a match with um, uh, Duggan. Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, that's it. He's in a match with him. And they're both fat. They're both old. You know, he comes out with like his American music and the crowd's going crazy. They love him. And he's doing his hey oh, and he's got his bit of wood. Doink comes. Well, Matt Bourne comes out. Half of his face is Doink and the other half of his face isn't painted. And uh, he, he just does this scathing promo on the fact that you're this all American guy, but you got to carry a weapon around with you everywhere, and that all these people love you because your your theme song is the American national anthem, and you're waving an American flag. But actually, you cheat more than I've ever had to cheat to win a match. And and he does this while laughing and stopping, just like he originally did as the original Doink. There's like. 20 people in the crowd. It's a real small event. But it's again, it's one of the best promos I've ever seen. And what sort of era was that? Like uh, 2010s, you say? Yeah, around that era, like 2013, 14. I don't know. Oh, he died in 13. So 2012 then. I don't know. It, it, it wasn't that long ago. Well, I was more making the point that it doesn't seem like he ever lost the ability to cut a good promo and play a character convincingly, regardless of how many people are actually in the crowd. Uh, and I th- I, I've read somewhere that him and Duggan were really good friends. So I mean, that might be why they put on quite a good match, they had good chemistry. I read the opposite. I read that they had been. Oh, maybe it was someone else then he was friends with. This is the thing with Doink. It's, everything seems to be shrouded with mystery. Like nobody really knows why he was taken out of WWF, particularly. Nobody knows why he left ECW. Nobody really knows how he even died. It's it's a really oh I'm not going to say interesting because it's morbid. But when we research guys or I research dudes, you usually have almost like a complete biography. Matt Bourne seems to have either lived very privately or nobody really wanted to talk about him because there's. There's not much material to go on about his wrestling career. Uh, usually in shoots or whatever, you've got guys spilling milk about literally everything to do with people. Like, hell, Booker T came out this week and said apparently Dixie Carter slapped with loads of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find a single thing about Matt Bourne yeah. particularly. It, it, he's, he lived in Mystique and he played a character to Mystique. I think... Like it's, Maybe he was just a bit of a loner and kept to himself. It really does seem and feel like it based upon all of the stories I've heard. Even going right back to the beginning again of Hawk uh, staring at him, pot-bellied, smoking a cigarette and calling him Krusty the Clown while he was looking pissed off. That doesn't sound like a a group guy to me. Anyway, this gimmick should have been something bigger than it was. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It wasn't allowed to be. I actually continued watching some Doink stuff into his com. In, well, not Matt Bourne, but when it became a, a comedy, and I watched the. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, the Survivor Series match where it's Doink versus Jerry Lawler, and then the Dwarf Kings versus the Dwarf Clowns. Yeah, and it's like a s- smelly wheezy. It's Doink's Clowns Are Us, which is Dink, Pink, and Wink versus Jerry Lawler's Royal Family Cheesy, Queasy, and Sleazy. Right. And um, I mean, this match is just like absolute WWE bullshit, but I laughed a lot. There was a lot of funny spots in this. It was proper like minis wrestling, you know, when they're like jumping on top of each other, sure. climbing the ropes and stuff. And there was a ton of like comedy spots where Jerry Lawler kept on trying to do the same things that the dwarfs were doing, but because of his size, he was doing it wrong, and then he kept hurting himself. Well, I might go, I might go check that out. I'm, I'm not sure that I'll get around to it, but... I mean, it doesn't do Doink's character any justice, but it's a really funny watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, I mean, but just going back, just before we close up, uh, to you talking about how difficult it was to find Doink the Clown stuff during this heel period, it's actually made me really interested and excited, like a, a little kid again before we had Network, you know? Because I can't just... I, type in something and locate it instantly that actually the the whole idea of foraging through old tv shows to find certain segments to an extent we're, we're doing it this week for our podcast next week which is the ministry of darkness adds this whole level of interest to me that i haven't had for a long time i was watching a raw segment with doink where bobby heenan alluded to the fact that 
Doink appeared on an episode of Superstars with 17 other Doinks at somewhere at some point on camera. When did that happen? I, I couldn't, didn't come across that at all. This was just before SummerSlam. Heenan mentions this. I can't find it anywhere because... This is Matt Bourne's Doink, is, or was this later in 94? Matt Bourne's Doink in 93. Uh, Heenan says on an episode of Superstars, there were 18 Doinks in a room. Or in some on camera at least, or something. And I'm really fascinated as to what that is because I searched through superstars today and I could find nothing. Superstar. Well, this was the thing when we first research started doing this. I told you about um, was it Wrestle Challenge? Wrestling Challenge. Yeah, you were the first person that made me realize that that even existed. Yeah, Doink made his debut on Wrestling Challenge. Neither of us have ever heard of that show before, and it's not on the network. It's so hard to find. I'm still trying to figure out whether Doink the Clown actually made his non-in-ring debut with a cigar in his mouth and he popped a kid's balloon. Because it's like a rumor that's gone around the internet, but I can find no physical footage that that ever existed, which is why I didn't mention it. So I found a, a couple of videos which show the shenanigans before his debut. There's one of him doing... Oh, maybe this is what you're talking about. There is one of him doing a balloon dog he goes to give it a kid but keeps pulling it away but i don't think he pops it there's another one where he's like mopping the floor and then he mops the wrestler's face another one where he ties like a big rope on the on the stage way and boss man falls over it there's another one where he's just in the crowd again like walking around with a mop and the mop hits fans in the back of the head I can't remember many more. There's, a, there's quite a lot of them. Tim Cornette told a, uh, an amazing story of Doink being up in the crowd and a French wrestler called Ray Rougeau was the announcer for the night. They were going to camera as they came back from break and the producer said, uh, Ray Rougeau, you need to get Doink in position now. And Ray Rougeau comes back on the speaker saying, I can't. He's been mobbed. The clown is down. The clown is down. <laughs> And apparently, to this day, they still use that terminology backstage when something gets That's fucked fantastic. up. That's fantastic. So Matt Bourne's legacy lives on in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. That's that's his legacy in WWF. That makes me happy that he is that a, a small part of him has still lived on. It made me happy to realize that you enjoyed Matt Bourne's doink and respected Matt Bourne as much as I learned to in the last two weeks. I much prefer his version of the character than the later version. And I think anybody would that gets to watch the older stuff. And gets to focus on it, really, because it is quite subtle. It's easy to miss, I think, especially when you're just watching a match. It's The, the, the thing with Dunk was that it was pretty much all pre-match and post-match. Mm. In the actual match itself, it's a, a clown that's wrestling really well. True. There have been a couple of thoughts and ideas about rejuvenating the Doink character over the years. I don't know whether you saw this. What, like right now? or Over the past couple of decades, originally, one of the headbangers, I think it was Mosh, was supposed to come in and play a rebooted Doink the Clown with slightly sinister intentions but it was okay. it was thrown off and and they became the headbangers and then there was a lot of talk for a while and this would have been really interesting i think it would have made the most sense since matt Bourne for a guy that could play both he could play the good guy and the sinister guy and there was uh, apparently long talks over giving the doink the clown character to eugene okay i th- yeah i could see that working he seems like the most apt fella to uh, make this thing work, really. Yeah, and that was around about the same time that there were these um, legend spots of Doink coming back. So you probably could have recreated the the mirror sequence where the two Doinks are in the ring. Well, Eugene actually trialed it out and uh, played Doink in, I think, an APA brawl or something. So they were, they were playing with it. Before before he actually became the character Eugene, the, the wrestler Nick Dinsmore was playing Doink for a little while to see whether he could do it. And eventually they just went down the Eugene gimmick. But who would you give it to right now if they were gonna if they were gonna redo it? Oh dude, I have no idea. I it would need to be somebody honestly, anybody. You're you're allowing me anybody. Yeah. Seth Rollins. What? Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. He couldn't pull that off. He couldn't play he couldn't put a face off. But uh, he has worked solidly and very impressively around this I versus an I angle and become a very sinister heel. And I could imagine him playing 
somebody having a mental breakdown wearing face paint. All right, I give you that. Yeah, that works fine. What about you? I was thinking Kevin Owens. That's also a great idea, man. That's even just, scarier as well because he's a big boy. Yeah, I, I I just think Kevin Owens is best when he's got a real in-depth character. When he's just like a flimsy, nothing character, it's when we're bored of him. Obviously, we're not going to see the Doink character again oh, anytime soon no. because of The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. Do you think that a, an evil clown gimmick that's not The Fiend will ever reappear somewhere? Ever? Oh, I think Doink will make appearances again one day, but like in one-off spots, like Legends. Spots. I mean, the, the, I mean, sort of the grumpy psychopath clown. That's not The Fiend. Well, maybe another 30 years because they're doing The Fiend now, which... Although he's not a clown, he has that kind of uh, sideshow feel to it. I definitely believe that if you take away the Slipknot masks, that is Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown was just a subtle version of what uh, Bray Wyatt has now presented as a completely different personality within the same person's head. Yeah, although The Fiend is much more horror than what Doink was. Plus, you can sell merchandise for heels now. Yeah, so... Do you think Doink the Clown should, as Matt Osborne or as Doink the Clown in general, should ever be put into the WWE Hall of Fame? I mean, after what we've just seen, yes, but I feel like it was not going to happen. Doink the character might go in. But then who's going to accept the award? Um, The other guy, the guy that played it for two years. Well, yeah, but then you've you've got Ray Apollo, but you've also got uh, Steve Kern and Steve Lombardi also known as the Brooklyn Brawler. And they were all, all three of them were regulars after Bourne finished. Uh, wasn't Ray Apollo was the main one? Yes. And he was also the one that played the second doink while Matt Bourne was still there. Oh, Steve Kern. Oh, okay. I don't know how I've learned this stuff. <laughs> Man, you've really saved that. I, I See, mean, I think that if they ever induct doink i think they should induct doink at least as a character and then i think they should get the three other doinks plus matt Bourne's son or girlfriend or whatever they should dress them all up in doink paint and have them all take the award and fight for it a, a doink paint in suits yes that would be great if it was to happen it might be a bit similar to when um a deceased wrestler goes into the hall of fame and then just another wrestler accepts it for them you could see Jerry Lawler do it because that was his main feud. Yeah, boring. I just feel like if you got fucking the other clown in the Hall of Fame, then you should have Doinkin. What other clown? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you set me up for that. Yeah, I know. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Okay, so next week we are doing something different. Instead of talking about a show or a wrestler, we're running down an entire storyline. We are talking about the Ministry of Darkness, Undertaker's stable in 1998, 1999. And we're going to, just like we're telling the story from a storybook, we're going to run down the whole thing. Well, you're telling the story from the storybook. I'll, I'll add where I can here and there. It's going to be a fun one. I've had a lot of fun <laughs> watching Attitude stuff. I'm really looking forward to that one. Who knew Viscera used to look so cool? They, they all look cool. It's just um, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's next week. Okay, looking forward to that one. Okay, yeah. Oh, that doesn't sound like you're looking forward to it now. No, I, I, I am. This is probably the one I'm most looking forward to ever out of all of we've done. That's cool. Nice man. All right, see you later, buddy. Hopefully, see you in real life soon again. <laughs> Like, share, and subscribe to keep it botched up, brother!